We are downtown. We are historic. We are family. We are scriptural. We are First Baptist Church. Good morning. Welcome to worship this morning at First Baptist Church of San Antonio. As we prepare for this morning, as we prepare to hear from the Lord through His Spirit this morning, let us lift up His Word. We will begin with Psalm 28, 6 through 7. So begin to calibrate your hearts even now as I read. Please follow along as I do. Blessed be the Lord, because He has heard the voice of my supplication. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in Him and I am helped. Therefore, my heart exalts, and with my song I shall thank him. Are you ready to thank him with your song this morning? Amen. Take your hymnals if you would. Hymn 206, standing together as we do. Let's sing, Blessed Be the Name.
Take a moment to greet one another, would you, in the name of Jesus. Well, again, I say to you, good morning. What a joy and privilege it is to be with your family in worship. Amen? Amen. Uh, I'm just getting back from a 10-day trip to Washington, D.C. with the chapel singers, and what a story we have to tell you. Um, I hope that you'll come back tonight at 6 p.m. And here's the deal. You don't have to have a relative in the chapel singers to come. The qualification is Come. Come and hear the stories of these kids, the wonderful things that God, we saw God do, and just the, the wonder that is that city, and the way that we can continue to pray for these people that we left just a, just a few short hours ago. We gather today to calibrate our hearts once again on Jesus. We come in response to his word that gathers us together, and we worship him in so many ways. We've already sung to, with, to, with our hearts to God. We've heard from his word we have shared a handshake and a, and a word of, of greeting with one another. That in itself is an act of worship. But I hope that you have come today ready to hear from him. Prepared in your hearts to be more like him today than you were yesterday. Be closer to him through this gathered worship. So as we calibrate ourselves, I just want to gather us in worship and in prayer. Father, we thank you for the privilege it is to come together and proclaim your name. We thank you for the promise that we know that you are here, that you are moving among us even now, that you are working on the hearts of your redeemed to be more like you every moment. So Lord, as we read your scripture, would you open our eyes? As we sit in a reverent posture, would you speak to our hearts? As we hear from your word, would you move our minds and our bodies to your service again? And all of this, Father, we do to honor you. Be glorified this day, we ask in your name. Amen. As we continue to do, friends, we're going to continue to read this great chapter in Psalm 119. It's the longest chapter in, in the book but we also know it just talks so much about what the law does for us, how it, how it is, was made by a God who loves us, and we need it. So here we go. I'm going to read Psalm 119, 97 through 112. You're going to hear some verses that you know very well. Let us calibrate our hearts together. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandments make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever mine. I have more insight than all my teachers. 
for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged because I have observed your precepts. I have restrained my feet from every evil way that I may keep your word. I have not turned aside from your ordinances, for you yourself have taught me. How sweet are your words to my, to my taste. Yes, sweeter than honey to my mouth. For your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I have sworn and I will confirm it that I will keep your righteous ordinances. I am exceedingly afflicted. Revive me, O Lord, according to your word. O accept the freewill offerings of my mouth, O Lord, and teach me your ordinances. My life is continually in my hand, yet I do not forget your law. The wicked have laid a snare for me, yet I have not gone astray from your precepts. I have inherited your testimonies forever, for they are the joy of my heart. I have inclined my heart to perform your statutes forever, even to the end. <coughs> Let us continue to worship as we follow the steps of Jesus. Never go wrong when, when, when that is our heart's desire. Let's take hymn number 4083, standing together, let's sing.
You may be seated. Please continue to worship. Amen. Children, come on down. Come meet me right over here. I've got a lunchbox for me here. Isn't that beautiful? Come on down. It's good to see all of you this morning. We're grateful you're here. We're grateful for those watching on television this morning too. We're so glad you are a part of our congregation. Yeah, come on down. Good to see everybody. Good morning. All right, so this, this thing that I have sitting right here in front of me, everybody see if you can see that? Anybody take a look? So this is a lunchbox. I've got, I've got a lunch in it for me, okay? And so I want you to help me to understand um, what, what are the best things here in my lunch, okay? So first, uh, I got my water bottle. Is that a good one? Yeah. No, I think it is, right? That's a, that's a, that's a good one. All right, let's see what I got. Um, I've got like a loaf of bread. Is that good? Is that good for lunch? No, you wouldn't eat that? Oh, yeah, you, you would eat this, make a sandwich out of it? All right, let me see here. All right, I've got, I've got also a can of beans. Baked beans. Why are you saying ooh? Is that, that, those are good. Those are good. I could pour those on the bread, right? Make a good lunch. Y'all wouldn't share that? All right, what about, and I got a bag of potatoes. Could we eat that? Why not? Oh, you can't eat these raw? No. no? Oh, yeah, well, I won't do that. All right, and then lastly, I do have a dessert. I get a bag of Oreos. That's, that's what we would eat? So, uh, so uh, which, which one of these things would, would be the best for me, though, do you think? I know we'd all want the Oreos. All right, I'm hearing, I'm hearing votes between potatoes and water. Is that right? All right, raise your hand if you think the potatoes are better for me. No, all right, raise your hands if you think the water's better for me. Man, y'all are on, y'all, are, y'all have been taught so well in doing that. I hope you have a better lunch than me. I don't know how I'm going to eat these raw potatoes. What do you think? Now, when we get ready at the end of the service, the reason why I bring lunch up is because towards the end of the service, we're all going to have a meal together. And it's this meal, you see the elements, they're sitting right over there on the table. There's, there's juice. Yeah, that's right. It's called communion, and we have this type of bread that is there. And Jesus asked us to have that meal with him. And so when we do it, it is a meal with Jesus Christ. And I want you to, to know that we all do that together, and we share that with one another. And there, there's kind of one thing, one stipulation as we share that. We, we share that in this room with anybody who's a professed believer in Jesus Christ. And so if Jesus Christ is your Savior, you can take that with us. If, if you haven't yet made that decision, it's not time yet. Okay, and so you can wait until you've accepted him as your savior and baptized and then you can take that meal with us. But as we do and as we gather in here, we're all going to sit here in the presence of Jesus Christ and have a meal. And in that meal, we're going to get everything that we need. And that's one of the ways our Lord and Savior teaches us about who he is. So let's work through that together at the end of the service and talk to your parents about what that means. Okay, all right, let's pray together and we'll continue worship. Lord, we thank you for this time together. Lord, we pray that as we gather in this place, we would recognize your presence and grow nearer to you. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Thank you all. No bananas. (laughs) Okay, so you know me well enough, friends, that I I take reverse pretty seriously when it comes to shaping our worship. 
So you can imagine several weeks ago when I started reading this and praying about this text, you know, I start looking for do not murder hymns. <laughs> the, hymn, the hymnal is not rich in that text. So you start thinking about what are, what are things that will, that will honor the Lord and draw us to a closer relationship to him. Because when you look at the words of Jesus when he addressed this very topic, he really got to the heart of man's um, propensity to anger and hate. And so I, as I looked and prayed and thought about it, I wanted hymns that would draw me closer to the cross. Because I find the closer I am to Jesus, the less I am to be, to be that man that I was. The closer that I am to the cross, the more, the more likely I am to be more like him. So as we sing this, as we prepare to hear from the word that, that the Lord has given Pastor Chris, draw me nearer, 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 blessed Lord, to the cross where thou hast died, so that when the world looks at us, they see much more of him than of us. Hymn 290, let's worship together.
prepared to hear from the word, let me encourage you to remain standing as Pastor Chris comes. God bless you for your worship. Amen. If you would, find your listening sheet. It should be in your bulletin. has the text for today on it. As we have been doing, we are moving through all the Ten Commandments and adding uh, one each week. So the commandment of the week is the last one, but we're going to head and read uh, the entire text, Exodus 21 through 13. This then is the text for today. Then God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol or any likeness of what is in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the water under the earth. You shall not worship them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children, on the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing loving kindness to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not leave him unpunished who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male or female servant, or your cattle, or your sojourner who stays with you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and mother, that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God gives you. You shall not murder. May God bless the reading of his word. I'll ask your forgiveness now. I've been wrestling with a sinus infection. And so I'm going to need water today. So I'm going I'm to leave that there uh, next to me. Now, as we get to this next commandment, you shall not murder, this is one that seemingly everyone agrees uh, that murder is unacceptable. You know, even when, when we hear people quoting the Ten Commandments, even among ourselves as we've worked through the Ten Commandments uh, this summer, I've, I've heard this very thing, that when we work down through it, we think, well, you know, I haven't, I haven't broken that one. I mean, it seems a lot of these get me, but you know what? I, I'm not perfect, but I haven't murdered anybody. I haven't taken anybody's life yet. And so on the, on the surface, right, on the surface level, we feel like this is a commandment most everyone keeps, most everyone can agree on. And you know, the least shocking development of human justification is that we are quick to jump then to I must be good enough. Where if, there, if there's one of these commandments that I can seemingly keep, then I must be good enough. We tell ourselves, like, like the Pharisee did, well, that I, I'm not as bad as those murderous people, right? We have this commandment for a reason, and, and, and murder is, is prevalent in its way, and I can hold myself up in high esteem because I have not done the things that those kinds of people have done. And so I can tell myself and I can justify with myself that, you know what, I'm not as bad as Cain killed Abel. I'm not as bad as even David killed Uriah. 
Sometimes we tell ourselves, you know, I'm not even bad as, as that, that serial killer I saw in a documentary last week, right? I'm better than that guy. And th those guys are the worst of society, and I'm better than that. And then we make the jump to I must be good enough. You know, it's a common lie you're going to hear all the more often as we begin to witness well. One of the calls that God has placed on our church is to be a church who witnesses well. And we're working through in our time for teachings on what that means and how we're going to do that well. But what you're going to experience as you begin to practice witnessing well is you will hear this often from people. That, oh, I'm good enough. I've got this covered. God and I are fine. And I've got it all handled. See, when God begins working on our heart, that's how we push back. When, when God begins to, to stir up within us, we push back on God and say, no, I'm good enough. I'm not as bad as they are. You go work on them because I've got as much under control as I need to have under control at the minute. And so we push back on our Lord. You're going to hear more and more of that. Now, the real difficulty with this commandment, though, is you see in Hebrew, it's, in Hebrew, it's only two words, and even though practically every civilization has had uh, some sort of variation of this commandment in their legal system, there's still much disagreement on what the word murder means. In fact, you'll find several different kinds of definitions from devoted scholars, things like taking an innocent life, um, unlawful killing of a human being, premeditated murder or premeditated taking of an innocent life. But even that one isn't quite what it needs to be. Because to be clear, biblically, it's even more than the premeditated moments. It's all kinds of moments of wrongful death. There's examples in scripture, you'll see these in Deuteronomy and Leviticus, where if your oxen kills someone, you're responsible for that. And you're responsible to, for that person in the life of that person. When, when someone has, oh, thank you very much. Very, oh, it's cold too, thank you. It's same thing. So when your oxen kills somebody, you, you are responsible for that. And the very same thing you see in scripture, if somebody falls off your roof, and dies, and you didn't do what you could to take care of them, you are responsible for that life. You could have done something about it, and if you could have, it falls under this definition of this word, to murder. And you know, unfortunately, this command must be here, because we, as humanity, have struggled with this from the beginning. We have struggled with protecting the lives of others that are around us. And we go all the way back to that Cain and Abel episode, Right, those first moments in, in the life of humanity, we see that even there the emotions get the best of us in a moment. We indulge violence in our minds and that, that violence in our minds, the emotions that come up within us can quickly turn into action for any of us. See, none of us are above this. As many of us say, we are good enough not to, to break this commandment. None of us are above this. None of us are good enough. See, this is the point. So as we move from the Old Testament into the New Testament, this was the point that Jesus was making in Matthew 5. So like Aaron was saying, Jesus interpreted this commandment for us. And when he did, we don't really need anything more than Jesus' point here. And Jesus is, is reminding us here that when we say, oh, I'm doing good enough, that we're lying to ourselves. And so many of us lie to ourselves in this way. That, that there will be a, a fire burning deep within us against someone else. 
anyone else, that there is revenge or jealousy or hatred that burns within us so hot that it flares out of our nostrils and our mouths erupt with anger-laced descriptions of violence. And Jesus, Jesus reminds us here in Matthew chapter five, just because you didn't physically murder them doesn't mean you're good enough. Just because you didn't physically murder them doesn't mean you've kept this commandment. And so Jesus, Jesus is working with us here and he's telling us here that he can see the heart and he can see the anger that burns within so many of us. Even so many of us that know him Anger still hidden in our hearts. And it's a fire that must be put out. See, if you harbor hatred in your heart, it will derail worship. And this is where Jesus takes this, <coughs> excuse me, Jesus takes this into worship. He says, you must repent and take care of that relationship immediately. Or if you've, you've got this issue, somebody else has anger against you, Somebody's struggling with your relationship, you need to go make it right. And you need to work towards restoration or worship will fall apart. See, let us not miss Jesus' overall point here that, that if we are caught up in any kind of sin, then we have to repent and restore or worship will be meaningless and our prayers will go unanswered. In fact, if, if that's where we, we find ourselves in, in missing the point of worship and our, our prayers feel like they're hitting the ceiling, we need to seek out that which is in our heart that's keeping us from our Lord and repent and restore. And for us today, that, that means we must recognize that we are not good enough. None of us in here are above this commandment. And see, that's what what's all of these commandments do is we work down through the Ten Commandments. One, one of the purposes of the Ten Commandments is, is they reveal our fallibility, that we are broken people. And in fact, we stumble and fail often. And so the Ten Commandments help us understand that fallibility of our humanity. And so we look up to God in that and we say, God, I am not good enough. And we have to admit, so, so part of what we have to do in this is we have to admit there are times that we indulge violence in our minds. There are times when we like to hate the enemy, to, to revel in the downfall of whoever is on the other side. We must admit that there are times, we must admit that there are times that we are willing to take a life if it consumes too much of our emotional energy or worse, consumes too much of our financial resources. We are so quick to devalue people if they begin to infringe on our ego and our selfish ways. We're quick to de devalue the lives of babies. We're quick to devalue the, the lives of the disabled or the elderly when it, when it begins to interfere with our precious lives. And you know, for every time that we have cursed that life that is draining us emotionally or financially, we must repent. You see, thinking we're good enough is a real problem because we're not and, and we never will be. And so now we, we need to get to the good news. See, the good news is w w this is what we have seen in the life of humanity. We, we keep creating and recreating all of these problems and for all of the problems that we have created, God has given the perfect solution. One solution that is good enough. 
See, first things first, as all of this is played out in the Old Testament, God clearly defines the law for us. And that's exactly what we needed. We needed a clearly defined law. Because we as humanity have often thought we could preserve our own self-interest by killing those who infringe on our self-interests. See, when we only think of ourselves, we will take everyone and everything else out. God saw it festering in our hearts. And God laid down the law clearly and precisely in relationship with us. He said, I love you. And this law is for your benefit, for you to flourish, for you to know life, for you to know all of my promises. You need to know this is your life. And God laid down the law and said, murder will not be allowed. And so God gave us the truth and enforced that truth. And we praise his name for it. That, that is the good of our God. We praise him for bringing the truth down to us in law. Helping us understand that, that humans are made in God's image. And, they, and we as human beings hold tremendous value. So much so, there's so much value in each one of us individually that we do not have a right to take an innocent human life. So then we move from, from the Old Testament into the New and it, Jesus began to explain this for us. That God brought the truth down in this person of Jesus Christ and he is the solution. It's the relationship with Christ. It's the solution to all of these. See, the beautiful thing here is that God knows you can't repress that anger on your own. That you need a savior and so he sent one. God didn't leave you to your own devices. He gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit and said, I'm not gonna leave you alone because you need me. Though some of you yet don't understand how much you need me, you need me and I will be here in a personal relationship with you. And so when our eyes fill up with hatred, and in fact there, there's fire breathing from our nostrils, there is a source of peace in the person of Jesus Christ who is available right this moment. And so our God's encouraging us. He's encouraging us to examine our hearts. We work down through this. We have to examine our hearts closely. And wherever we find anger or hatred or bitterness or gossip or rage or hurtful words or resentment or jealousy, God will heal it all in the person of Jesus Christ. It's no secret to God that those things are festering in your imagination. And he's saying, I have the solution. The, the perfect healing power in the person of Jesus Christ. And he will heal it for us. And so this is what we see in the, the glorious gospel in the New Testament. Is Jesus was sent to redeem and heal all of this business. To save the sick and the lost. And so you know, the, the, only, the only time we start to get into real trouble here is when we begin to say, well, I'm good enough. Or I've got that one. See, that's when we get in real trouble when we think, I've got that one. Or I must be good enough. See, when we, when we say that, and we say, I'm, I'm good enough here, I've got this covered, we are saying, we don't need Jesus Christ to redeem us and heal us. That, that I've got this. And so we lie to ourselves and we claim that there's nothing to heal. That I, I've got this taken care of. But if we take this call to examine our hearts seriously, ask Jesus Christ to heal the hatred of our hearts, he does so immediately. And he brings forth life like we've never known before. See, we, we have to admit, it's, it's common. All of us in here 
have had to deal with pent up emotion and hurt that we cannot fix. And the good news of Jesus Christ is God already knows this. And that's exactly why he sent his son to the cross. That's exactly why we're gonna share this meal together. Because we are broken and we are healed in the power that's represented in this meal. So the call for us today is to be honest with ourselves. And, and recognize that not one of us in this room is good enough. I mean, can we, can we admit that today? Can we admit together that we are not good enough? Can we admit together we are not capable and that we struggle when we are on our, on our own? I mean, can we admit that together? Because that's step number one for us to be able to say, I am not good enough. And when we're able to say that, God can work with us. God can begin to mold your heart. And so then step two, once we're ready to admit that, that we're not good enough, is that whenever, whenever anger rises up within us against someone, it begins to take root in our lives, we begin to note those specific instances, specific names that we lift up to the Lord and say, I'm struggling with this person, Lord. There's hatred in my heart against this person. We, we, we leave the specific name before the Lord. So maybe we're harboring hatred toward an elderly relative that has lived too long. Or maybe we enjoy the anger that, that's boiling within us at a political opponent who disagrees with us. You know, there's a, there's a vast difference between opposing views and harboring hatred. And we quickly cross into that harbor of hatred. We need to admit that to our Lord and admit those specific people that we're harboring hatred against. And then as we move into step three, then it's just ask the Lord for forgiveness that we will repent. One of the things that God has called us to, there's some specific words that God has called us to live out fully in this congregation and one of them is to be a repentant people. And so he's calling us to repentance in this way this morning, saying forgive me for my hatred, forgive me for my anger, for the violence that has swelled up within me and we need to ask God specifically to forgive us for those moments and those times. And the, the promise of God is glorious. That when we will do this, we will get on our knees in repentance before him. God will heal you. And God will restore our worship. And God will answer our prayers. See, the message is still the same this morning. It will be made right when we are repentant. May we admit to our Lord that we are not good enough. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this time together. In these moments, we, we recognize that you are divine and we are broken. You are the definition of pure and holy love. And Lord, we struggle with what that means. And so we ask, Lord, that you would come that your spirit would descend upon us, heal our broken hearts, Lord, clear our minds and make us whole. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray, amen. Uh, deacons, if you would begin to prepare the table, I'm gonna, I'm gonna move down here. As we get to the supper today.
We're going to consider this from, from 1 Corinthians, where, where Paul, in 1 Corinthians, begins to, to talk to the church about how we take this supper and how we take this supper well. And one of the things that's, that's going on in this scene in, in 1 Corinthians is they, they would all, in this day, in this church, they would bring their own elements. In fact, they were having a meal. And, and they wouldn't share with one another. And so that meant even believers were, were left out. And there were some in the church who were just using it as a moment of fun and fellowship, leaving others out. And there began to be divisions and hatred in the church itself. And Paul said, this can't be. This doesn't cause division or hatred. This is what unifies us. This is the body and blood of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. And so when we take of these elements, um, we take of these after we have... Um, looked into our heart, examined our heart, and made sure we are right before the Lord. And we are right with the people that surround us. So I'm gonna take just a moment. We're gonna have a silent prayer of repentance where we ask the Lord's forgiveness over our heart and over our divisions and over our hatred before we take of this element. So let us pray silently for just a moment. Lord, we hand these difficult moments and emotions of our hearts and imaginations over to you. Heal our body. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Deacons, come and serve the bread.
You know, as we, we share this plate, it is in obedience to our Lord Jesus Christ. This is a moment of obedience for us. And, and as we, we share this across the aisle, this is us recognizing we're sharing that love of Christ um, with those that are sitting next to us. As we take the bread, so Paul continued to explain to the, the church at Corinth how, how Jesus um, delivered this. And so this is what he says in chapter 11, verse 23. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Deacons come, serve the cup.
as God sent his solution, have the person of Jesus Christ who spilled his blood for us so that we might be saved and made right. And so as scripture continues, Jesus in the same way, he took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let us pray. Lord, we are grateful that we can gather together and we are grateful that we have a Savior. And we praise your name for the body and the blood that was given for each one of us. Lord, may we be forever reminded of the sacrifice that you made on our behalf. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. We're going to have our time of response now. We pray that everybody in here would respond to God in some way this morning. Now, one of the ways you can do that, you'll see on your listening sheet, there's three ways at the bottom of that sheet that may be appropriate for you to take one of those and work through that during this time of response. So we'd love for you to do that. The altar is open. Um, We need to use this to pray. Come forward and pray to our Lord. I will be down here on the the front. Brian's here. If you need to visit with us, um, pray with us. We we want to do that. Do you want to talk about accepting Christ or about our church or baptism? This is the time to have those conversations. We'll come down and we'll we'll do that together. We're going to sing and we're going to give cheerfully. And so let's do that in obedience to our Lord. And so if you need to remain seated to respond, please do so. The rest of us, let us stand and respond to our Lord.
to move. We're going to enter into a time of offering now. This is still worship. So as you, as you sit down and as the plates come around, continue to worship. Ask the Lord to move in your hearts. You may be seated.
church family, so many things conspire to kill the human spirit and to kill the body as well. And as Chris spoke of, our Lord is the one who is good enough to found a church that is good enough to provide a place of hope and solace and healing. This is one of the things that we do in the heart-to-heart -heart ministry. There are questions that come to mind. Does forgiving somebody mean excusing bad behavior? And is forgiveness necessary? Uh, how will I carry this grief that is too heavy for my shoulders to bear? Will anyone accept me after divorce? Uh, what about trying to find my way when I've become hopelessly lost in sexual addiction? Uh, what about the wounds that I have from past abuse? Where will I find a safe place to work through that? These are the kinds of questions that the Heart to Heart ministry addresses head on and you will find a safe space. You will find an accepting group of people and you will find a way back to hope and to healing and to restoration. These groups begin on Tuesday, September 3. Tuesday, September 3. There are cards to that effect uh, that you can pick up details uh, at any of the Ask Me booths or you can go online as it says here fbcsa.org slash heart to heart in order to register for these groups that begin September 3. The journey to, registration, uh, journey to restoration group begins September 4, Wednesday. So take note of this. Share this with somebody that you know that might find a way back to living and thriving through these groups. Thanks so much. We're grateful for Brian and grateful for the Heart to Heart ministry. That is one of the, the best things that we do. And we hope you become involved in that in some form or fashion with those ministries. They are good. Let me ask you to, to draw your attention just to the life together that you see in your bulletin there. Make sure you take note of those things. I want to mention one now that is not listed there. On August 11th, we're going to have our next time for teaching on repentance. I mean, excuse me, not repentance, on witnessing. Um, so when we get to uh, August 11th, God is calling us to witness well. And this will be our second time for teaching on how we do that in this church and what does witnessing well look like. So please come, uh, 6 p.m. Sunday night, August 11th, um, and be a part of that with us. You'll note too, you'll see the, the beautiful flowers in front of me. They're given to the glory of Jesus Christ, our Savior, in loving memory of Donald Shaw. So we thank God for him. So one more thing, Chris, would you, would you come up? This is Chris Forres, and has come forward uh, seeking a conversation about baptism. And so we're gonna have that conversation together with Chris. If you look forward in walking in faith with Chris, um, would you say amen? amen? And we love you. That's right, we'll be at the door. You come by and, and greet him, and uh, we'll love to see you on the way out. Thank you. Yeah, have a seat right here. Just remind you tonight, Six o'clock here in the sanctuary, these kids are going to come and talk to you about um, their experience this week. Um, it has been incredible. And you saw small, but incredibly mighty. And I am so thankful for the, for the work and the journey that we've had these last 10 days. So come, please come. Please.
We are now dismissed to go do good work, friends, with the Lord going before us. Let us tell it out with gladness. Stand.
First Baptist Church has been broadcasting its services of new life and historic faith for 46 years. We would like to ask that you continue to pray with us for this ministry and also for your financial support so that we can continue this ministry for years to come. Thank you.